Welcome to the Treasure Coast Community Church Podcast. TC3 Church is located in Stewart, Florida, and we're thankful that your listening journey has brought you to us. Our prayer is that everyone who tunes in connects the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a real way. You will also discover, if you dig a little deeper, that TC3 is full of imperfect people who are simply striving daily to be more like Christ than they were the day before. The journey for us is about progress, not perfection. We pray that as you listen, you will be filled with hope, endurance, and joy as you experience life change. Enjoy today's message. Good to be with you, TC3. Are we doing well so far? Okay. Hey, we've got a ton of students that are getting ready to head to Passion Camp, and uh, I I want you to know that we are so excited that you're taking that step. It's gonna be a, a, a step in your faith journey that you won't forget. And I stand on this stage because my life was shaped at camp experiences. And so we as a staff and we as a church, we're praying that God reaches into your world and just fills up your tank while you're there. And my encouragement to you, and I hope you hear this, my encouragement to you is that you don't wait until night three to give it all. Like that's typically a camp experience is like we wait till night three to give it all. Listen, give it all when you get there. And uh, here's the promise I'm gonna make to you. Uh, just as we're praying that God makes a difference in your life while you're there, we're also gonna be praying that God makes a difference in your parents' life while they're here, okay? <laughs> so we'll do that. Now, I grew up in church, and what I would tell you in a moment of transparency is that church people are really weird. They just are. They're strange. In the church I grew up in, there was a guy named Ralph, and he was a faith healer. He wore dark John Lennon sunglasses, and when you had him pray for you, he would take your arms and he would stretch them like this. And as about an eight-year-old, 10-year-old kid, I just, I wondered if everybody's had one arm shorter than the other. I like, I really couldn't figure out what was going on. And, and here at TC3, we've had our fair share of weirdness here. Um, we had a guy visit us for a few weeks in a full red jumpsuit. Don't mind that, it's all part of it. <laughs> full red jumpsuit and a cowboy hat and uh, the, the white shoes on. And uh, so I went up to him and he had a cape on. And I was like, hey, I'm Gordon. He's like, hey, my, I'm flying Elvis. I'm flying Black Elvis. I was like, oh, okay. I guess somebody's got to be flying Black Elvis. And so he visited us. We had, we had a lady call up and go, hey, um, I'd really like to bring my parrot to church because it enhances my worship. Would you guys be okay with that? And we were like, well, we're really not bird-friendly worship people, but James over at Coastal Life in Palm City, he's, <laughs> loves, he loves birds. He loves it. So you'll enjoy that church. Um, but, I, but I have a revelation for you and maybe a bit of an affirmation for you is, and it's this. You're a little bit weird too. There's probably a little bit of weird in you. For, in some of you, you're a lot weird. And I can't even talk about your story right now. Um, but here's the thing. When you look in the text of Scripture, God can use that. He can use that. God uses weird, strange, unique people. And for us, the the church to outsiders looks a little bit strange. But it's this 
thing that God has put together, and really the Acts 2 experience kind of gives us a picture of this, that, that the world looked at the church and how they loved each other and how they accepted each other, and it was attractive to the world. And I hope that we as a church were attractive to the world in regards to how we love each other. Because if you think about this, on any given Sunday in here, there are people that don't barely have two pennies to rub together, and then there are people in here that have enough pennies to fill up a swimming pool. There are people with PhDs and there are people with GEDs sitting right next to each other and sharing life together. There are different races, different sexes, different backgrounds, and we all come to this table as equals. But if you think about your story and you think about the stories that God uses in the text of Scripture, he uses some weird people. Like John the Baptist was viewed as a weird person. He had skins that he wore, and he, and he ate locusts and washed them down with honey. And God would work in mysterious ways, weird ways. And the disciples are like, Jesus, how are we going to pay our taxes? And he's like, well, just go fishing. Disciple goes fishing, pulls up a fish, and oh, there's a gold coin in there. Hey, go take that and pay your taxes. Wouldn't that be great if it worked out for us like that? Like April, you just go fishing and pull out a gold coin, and you're like, here you go. And Jesus did some weird things. Like there are stories in the text where you just can't explain. Like you can't really explain. I mean, you can get theolo go down some theological trails, but you can't really explain why Jesus reached down into the ground and grabbed some dirt and spit in it and then put it in somebody's eye to bring about a miracle. Like that's a hard one to explain. But Isaiah, he captures this, this line of thought really well in Isaiah chapter 55, and he said these words. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so you and I are going to have to yield to the mystery of God. Matter of fact, we have to learn to embrace the mystery of God, because there are times in life where you're not going to know. God knows. There are times in life when you don't know how. God knows how. And there are times in life where things will happen. You won't know why. God knows the why. Think about God's master plan. So he sends Jesus, born of a virgin. He, he lives this sinless and perfect life as an example for us. He offers himself up on a cross to be sacrificed so that there could be a bridge between our unrighteous state and God's righteous state. So there is this bridge that the cross makes. On the third day, Jesus comes back from the dead, is resurrected, and then a few days later, there is this ascension where Jesus ascends up into the heavens, and basically what he says to the disciples and the followers, his followers before he goes, is he said, listen, now it's up to you. And when you think about that, I'm like, not a great plan. Like the disciples, they were unschooled. They weren't learned men. They were just average, ordinary Joes. The followers of Christ at that time were just kind of this ragtag group of people that embraced uh, following him. And he leaves the whole thing up to them. And somehow, some way, God uses the church and he moves the message of the good news that Jesus saves across the entire world. And it's been going on for generations. And we're still a part of that legacy that got started. 
And I think about it, and I think God works with unique people. He does unique things, and he does them in unique ways. I get asked this from time to time from people that are on the outside of the walls of the church. Really an innocent question. How does church work? And I'm like, well, we come together as a group of believers, and and we listen to God's word being taught. It makes us be able to live better lives. It challenges us and encourages us. We get encouraged by gathering together and, and the stories of the people around us encourage us to keep on going. And so when I'm down, they encourage me. When they're down, I encourage them. And then, you know, we sing songs together as well. We, we don't have words sometimes to express our feelings to God. And so we lift up songs to the Lord and we, we worship the Lord and we come together to bring our kids so that they'll learn about Jesus and they'll learn about how to live and how to how to receive the love of God and then how to give that love to the world. And we come together so that we'll be challenged to make a difference in our own little community and we'll be challenged to make a difference around the world and make the world a better place. And then the next question is like, well, how does that work out financially? Because they always go there. How does that work out financially? I said, well... People give to the work. They, they give a, a tithe. What's a tithe? Well, they give like 10% of their income to the work of the Lord. And he's, they're like, everybody gives 10%? I'm like, no. No, they don't. Like the 80-20 rule is in full effect in the life of business and it's in full effect in the life of the church. And, and, and I said, it doesn't work that way. Well, how do those buildings get built? Well, they get built out of necessity. A building gets filled up, we can't house all the people that are coming in, or a ministry program fills up where they're meeting, and so I'll stand in front of people and I'll go, listen, we've grown, we need to do, we need to do, uh, do something, take a next step, and it involves a building project. I want you to pray about it. If God leads you to give to it, give to it. Well, what if they don't give? Then we don't build. It's a, well, who owns the building? The church does. What happens to the church? Well, each generation gives it to the next generation. Well, who decides who leads the church? Well, God. And so if you think about this from a secular standpoint, it's really weird. It's really weird how the church has been able to operate for as long as it's operated. But I always close with this. Hey, every church building that you see reflects the heart of a generation to reach more people for Jesus. That's why they built that brick and mortar thing, to connect people with the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Then the other question is like, well, how do you serve all of those people? Well, people volunteer to serve people at the church. You mean they have to give and serve? Yep, that's how it works. It does, it seems strange to an outsider. Think about the church, how it must look. God uses strange things. He uses strange people, works in strange ways. First Kings chapter 17, we, we pick up the story of Elijah, and he's a little bit weird. He's not sophisticated at all. He comes from the hill country. He's a bit of a country bumpkin. He's the outdoorsy type. He wears animal skins, and he has a leather belt, like PETA would put him on the most wanted list. 
He's this furry marmot, right? Out, outgrown hair, beard, animal skins, and he's just very outspoken. And his name means the Lord is my God. He's a, a nobody from nowhere who's the somebody that God wants to use. And, and he is this Tishbi, from Tishbi, and he's from the tribe of Benjamin. And the tribe of Benjamin grew these great warriors and, and heroes of the nation of Israel. And the situation is, is that God wanted to get Israel's attention. And so he sends this drought. This drought comes, and again, it seems a little mysterious and weird. And Elijah steps up and says, hey, there's a drought coming because you've walked away from all the principles that God has, has taught you. And he steps up and he goes with courage to the king. The king then hears what Elijah has to say. This drought comes to the land, and then God mysteriously benches him when he just gets going. Then he's fed by ravens at the brook. And then from there, he goes to live with a, a widow. This prophet goes to live at this widow's house, which again is a little bit strange. And then her son literally dies while he's there. And the Bible talks about how he stretched himself over the body of this child and breath came back into his lungs. He comes back to life. It's, again, a little bit strange, a little bit weird. Elijah calls down fire from heaven, and you see this story of Elijah taking shape. And the point of all this is, if there's a little weird in Elijah's story, there's probably going to be a little bit of weird in your story as well. There's probably going to be a little bit of weird in our journey, and we need to leave room for the mystery of God so that he can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. Elijah goes to King Ahab, and he says, after the Mount Carmel experience where fire has come down from heaven, he says, listen, go eat and drink, for there's the sound of this heavy rain. Interestingly enough, we talk about eyes of faith. We don't talk about ears of faith. Elijah has these ears of faith because he hears the raindrops falling before they even fall, and that's what people of faith have inside of them. They see what God is going to do before it even happens or materializes. Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah, he climbs up to Mount Carmel, and he buries his head between his knees, it says. He takes this posture of prayer, and this is literally the birthing position, and he starts to pray. And he takes the position that he takes because he's positioning himself to be there for the long haul. Like he's not gonna fall short, he's not gonna give up, he's gonna keep on praying until a miracle is birthed. And where that takes us is to the fact that prayer is hard work. You go up into the Garden of Gethsemane and you see Jesus dripping drops of blood. You see the disciples falling asleep, why? Because prayer is hard work. It's easy to just shoot up a popcorn prayer and then not lift it up again. Is prayer a drive-through experience for you or is it a time where you sit with God and you, you send up your praises and your requests and, and your asks? And is it a time where you just yield? You spend time with him listening as to what he would have to say to you about what you're supposed to do. Is prayer a sprint or a marathon for you? You pray once or twice and then just give up? Or, better question, do you even pray at all. You expect God to work and do these incredible things but never talk to him? 
Dan Hayes said it this way, and I love this quote. He said, all that I know is that when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't happen. And that's really true of prayer. Elijah is ready to push through for a miracle. He's gonna wait and pray until a miracle is birthed. Listen, Carol and I, we have two, two kids. And what I'm gonna tell you is that one of, the child, one of the kids was pretty easy to raise. One of them was an EGR, extra grace required, in case you didn't know what that is. You may be one, you may know one, you may have one sitting next to you. But it took us to this place of, and I'm serious about this, it took us to a place of prayer, to where Carol would fast a meal every uh, Monday, we would take walks and we would pray for our kids specifically, we would pray in the middle of the night. We would pray in the early morning hours. And we never stopped praying for our kids because we're believing God for a miracle in their lives. That they would know God and be people that would make God known. And what I'm telling you is that you have to keep on praying. You have to keep on pushing through because the enemy would love to take what's most dear to you and kill it. Ruin it and destroy it. And you and I, it's our responsibility to uphold it in prayer. And what I'm telling you is I'm seeing things happening now that were birthed in prayer 10 years ago. And unless you keep on praying, you don't see it. You won't see it. You and I need to stand in the gap. Prayer is hard work. The Bible says it clearly. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And this is progressive. Asking is talking about it. Seeking is looking for it. Knocking is you're at a whole nother level. You're gonna make something happen. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door, it'll be open. Which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you and I... Even though we're evil, we know how to, good give, how to give good gifts. How much more does our Father up in heaven know how to give us good gifts? You keep on asking. You keep on seeking. You keep on knocking. We are where we are today as a church because people have prayed, and they've prayed again, and they've prayed again. And some of us are like, well, I don't even know how to pray. Listen, simple prayer acrostic. P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, yield. That's at least five minutes. Pray, repent, ask, yield. Keep it simple. Use your own verbiage. I love the child's prayer. Lord, would you please be with mommy and daddy and would you please take care of yourself because if something happens to you, we're all in trouble. Like, keep it simple. When Elijah can't make something happen, he prays until something happens. If you and I can't make something happen, we pray until something happens. Are you in trouble? Pray until something happens. Is anger destroying your life? Pray until God removes that. Is fear a blockade in your life? Pray until something happens. Is your marriage in trouble? Pray until something happens. Do you want a better job? Pray until something happens. Are you single and you're looking for a partner to share life with? Pray until something happens. 
Are your kids on the wrong path? Pray until something happens. Are your parents on the wrong path? Pray until something happens. Do you need a miracle in your life? Pray until something happens. That's what Elijah did. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And when he went up and looked, there's nothing there. Now get this part. Seven times Elijah said go back. Seven times. God had already told him that he was going to make it rain, but seven times he has to send his servant back to look for any indicator that God was at work. God's already given him the promise, but the promise isn't materializing, and his servant goes back seven times. Doesn't it seem weird that nothing seems to be happening? This is very, very synonymous to our life. Sometimes we know God has given us a promise, but we have to keep on praying. And if nothing is materializing when you pray, go back and pray again. Prayer is the first thing. It's the second thing. It's the third thing. Prayer is the fourth thing. Prayer is the fifth thing. Prayer is the sixth thing. Prayer is the seventh thing. Prayer is the 20th thing. It's the 30th thing. You and I keep on praying until the promises of God are revealed in our life. We never quit praying. James 5 says it this way. Is any one of you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins. This is big. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you and I are praying according to God's will, it's a powerful and effective prayer. When I'm standing in the gap for my loved ones, according to God's will, it's a powerful and effective prayer. Press through in prayer, especially when you know it's God's will. Keep on praying. Don't quit. God's not messing with you. God is strengthening your resolve. God is developing you. And at times, prayer is just hard, but it's worth it. If your day is hemmed in with prayer, it's less likely to come unraveled. The seventh time, it says, the servant reported, a cloud as small as the man's hand began rising from the sea. That's all Elijah needed. He just needed one little indicator. There's no rain falling, but he sees the cloud or hears about the cloud coming up from the sea and he knows that God is working out a miracle. Why does he have to pray seven times? It's a mystery. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. So he's saying to his servant, go tell Ahab to get his chariot rolling, head him back to his house because rain's coming. Meanwhile, it says that the skies grew black and the winds started blowing and a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The prayers of Elijah, they withheld the rain and the prayers of Elijah, they would bring the rain. And then it says, and this is really interesting, 
I love these little nuances in Scripture. It says, the power of the Lord came upon Elijah. Well, he'd already been praying. He just brought rain from the sky. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he tucked his coat into his belt. And get this. He ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Like he outruns King Ahab in his chariot. So you imagine if you're King Ahab and you're hoofing it along in your chariot and then all of a sudden here comes Elijah just right on by you. And you're like, the fire from heaven was kind of a weird thing. This is a really weird thing. Like this is like the first track record ever recorded, I think, in history. Like this is a 14 mile run and we don't know why that the Lord comes upon him in power to do this. Maybe, maybe it was so that he could get to Ahab's wife Jezebel and tell her the story the correct way. We don't know why it happened, but we know that it's a, a mystery. God's thoughts, they're higher than our thoughts. His ways, they're higher than our ways. Sometimes God does weird things and sometimes God uses weird people and sometimes God works in really, really weird ways. And we need to learn to embrace the mystery of God. Get comfortable with the mystery of God. Commit to pray through because prayer is, is hard work. And when we can't seem to make something happen because there are things in your life, in my life, that we can't make happen, we pray until God makes something happen. And when it's not materializing, we go back into the prayer closet again and again and again. So I close with this today. What is it that you need from God today? Some of us, we need a miracle. Some of us, we need a financial provision. For some of us, there's a relational situation in our life that needs to be resolved. Some of us, there are people that are far from God that we're closely connected to that need a course correction in their life. And it seems like the harder we pray, the further they are from God. So what is it that you need from God? Identify that. And if you've identified that, I want you just to stand up wherever you are. If you need a miracle from God, if you need a healing from God, if you need financial provision from God, if you've got a prayer request that's been on your heart and mind for a long time, what is it that you need from God? If you have something that you need from God, I want you to stand up right now. So we as a church, we get to do things like this, and this is called being the church. And we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray that God would give you the provision that you're requesting. And so I want the church to be the church. And if you've been a follower of Christ, you might not even be a part of this church, but you're a follower of Christ, I want you to put your hand on somebody's shoulder who's standing up. I wanna make sure that everybody that's standing up has a hand on their shoulder. So find somebody around you and put a hand on their, on their shoulder, if you would, please. Does anybody not have a hand on their shoulder that's standing up? Because I want to see your hand so we can get somebody to you. Okay? Let's pray. Father, right now in this, this time, I pray that this would be a, a holy moment. I pray that you would bring healing to those that need healing right now. I pray that you would be the great physician 
that you're called in the text of scripture and that you would bring a healing touch from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. We ask that you would be a God that provides what even medicine can't provide. And I pray that you would heal your kids today. I pray for those that are wrestling with relational situations. God, I pray that you would move the immovable, that you would change the hardened hearts, that you would you would bring healing to relationships that have been crushed. I pray that you would bring life where there has been death and darkness. I pray for those that we're standing in the gap for that we love that are lost or that are on the wrong path. God, I pray that you would bring them back into relationship with you. I pray that your hand would guide them back and that we would see evidence of you working in their hearts and their lives, God. I pray for whatever impossibility it is that we're lifting up to you right now to become a possibility because of who you are. I pray for financial provision. I pray for doors that would be opened, dear Lord, that only you could open. And I pray that you would slam shut doors that need to be slammed shut so that we couldn't get through them. God, we need you to be our guide. I pray that you would be our peace, that you would be our strength, and you would be our provision. And we're thankful, dear Lord, that it says in the text of Scripture that we're to cast our cares on you because you care about us. And so, Father, maybe may the prayers of your people be registered in heaven and may miracles take place as a result of your goodness. In your name we pray and receive. Amen. Let's remain, this is good. Let's, let's, let's remain in this attitude. We'll stand up and Andy's got a song that, that we're gonna close with that talks about just who Jesus is, especially when we're walking through those seasons of unknown. Thank you for listening. We understand that life is a journey and that the journey has many stages. No matter what stage you're in, TC3 is a place where you can plug in and be poured into. So if you're looking for community, we would love to connect with you. Start by hitting the subscribe button, then click the connect link in today's episode. This is your opportunity to join in on what God is doing at TC3. We are confident that he's just getting started with us and with you. We look forward to sharing more of the path with you.